Blog Talk Radio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another broadcast of The Unexplained World, a world for some of us, no explanation is needed. And for others, that is why we are here. With your hosts, Edward Chanahan, a psychic medium, paranormal explorer, and author, along with Annette, who is a pagan truth seeker. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy. So enjoy. Listeners, welcome to the February 10th broadcast of The Unexplained World with your host, Edward Shanahan. That's me and Annette. Hello, Annette. Hello, Ed. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm just peachy. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy Chinese New Year. Oh, thank you. What does that mean uh, for our life? May you prosper in the new year. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And ni hao to all our Chinese friends in the year of the pig. Year of the pig. Okay. That's right. So who would have to be What years would uh, equal the year of the pig? Well, it runs every 12 years. So this year, 12 years ago, 12 years ago before that, et cetera. I don't have the table in front of me to tell you exact numbers. I'm sorry. I know that was a spur to m- <laughs> was- <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm on the hook. <laughs> oh, it was basically to show individuals that I know that there's something to do with the Chinese New Year's based on every so often it pops in, pops in. You know, 12 years from now will be the year of the pig again. So, uh, exactly, right. Yeah. So, listeners, tonight we have... Mr. Chuck Kennedy, PSI, um, which basically has to do with science and the paranormal and spiritual world. Um, Chuck's been uh, doing this for a long time, and we're going to bring him on, throw some questions, and uh, get some answers, and uh, find out where that magic third eye is actually is. Um, I got to see him tell a group of people, and I think their jaws dropped, and I'll leave them explain why. And then that, what do we have as far as tonight? We have uh, we'll be showcasing the song on Earth, and and that'll That's give you right. a little bit of yeah. Um, yeah. We're proud. I think we should be proud that um, the producers of the song came to us, and they're allowing us to broadcast it tonight, and. Uh, and that will give a rundown of that. And that will happen after our guest is on the show, um, Chuck Kennedy. And um, so also I'd like to invite the listeners to go to my website, as I have now a page for The Unexplained World. Uh, they can listen to past shows, which is pretty cool. It's almost got a jukebox type of scenario on there where they could pick out what they want to listen to. 
and for free yet. And um, information on if you're interested in being a guest on the show, if you're interested in having readings in the future done by me on the show, um, all the information is there about that. So just go to edwardshanahan.tps. So um, edwardshanahan.com. And do you think maybe if somebody's got some music that they might also reach out to us? We might showcase their music. What do you think about that? Can we offer that? Oh yeah, too? yeah. I'm 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 game for that. I'm totally uh, yeah. Game for giving people exposure and stuff like that uh, with their music. Um. Yeah, because <clears throat> it's nice to have different music also on the show, closing music. So yeah. it's a way to give them exposure. Annette or I will, you know give you some hype at the end of the show when we go play it. Tell people where to go to find you and stuff like that. So um, that door is open. It has to be approved by either one of us. Uh, I try to run a tight ship as far as what gets broadcast because we like to stay in the G-rated atmosphere because then we're accepted by Google and everything else. So, um, because once you start playing with PG, et cetera, and beyond, then you may get um, censored as far as the search engines and even blog talk as far as giving exposure and stuff like that. Because believe it or not, uh, the Unexplained World website uh, a few years back was if parents had, uh, what do you call it, on their on their computer, Annette. A block, uh, you know, like a team yeah. block or yeah. multi-age it block. Would, because it was kind of a PG because of the theme and the horror and, and uh, paranormal stuff on there. It was, yeah. it, I couldn't bring it up. And, um, hmm. yeah, and they had um, blocks on their computer. So, uh, so that's why we try to uh, stay with uh, G rating. Um, anything you want to give a shout out about? Hmm. Not right this second, but I've been. Uh, How about our guest my... for next week? How about our guest for next week? Which oh, comes by way of you? Our guest. Our guest next week um, will be someone I've known my whole life. Her name is Mary, and she is one of the most knowledgeable people I know on earth, and I know a couple people <laughs> about. Oh, modern medicine, also different kinds of diets that um, help with wellness and turning your general health around. And she's going to be talking to us about the newly legalized CBD oil that's been fresh on the market and is starting to get more and more widely accepted. So she's going to be talking to us about all the health benefits, um, and all the things you, you won't even believe how many wonderful things CBD oil can do for you. So definitely listen in next Sunday on the 17th when we talk to Mary. Um, she's a registered nurse. Um, she's just one of the most knowledgeable people I know about the about the topics of health and wellness in America today. And the lady fought cancer. So She did. She did. She is still with us. She had stage four and turned it around. Um, She did some widely accepted methods of cancer treatment, as well as some that 
you know, were just more natural and holistic. And the combination of both saved her life. And you know what? She's got a darn good attitude. <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah. So she, uh, she whirled it away. <laughs> and that will be next week's guest. So join us, listeners. Um, and remember, after Mr. Chuck Kennedy's on the show, we will be showcasing Unearthed. And to our, our United Kingdom listeners, because that's where the song came from, um, Oh, Hello. Cool. Thank you for listening. And uh, tell sure. people about us. Tell people about us. Okay, you ready to bring Mr. Kennedy in? I am so excited to meet him, yes. Okay. Let's press the button. Hello, Chuck. You there with us? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, uh, Mr. Kennedy. Uh, Mr. Kennedy, let me read about, give you all the hype in the world, operates Project PSI, and it's a science research lab in St. Charles, Illinois, and named it the science side of the paranormal and spirituality. Mr. Kennedy conducts studies and experiments along with boot camps to teach individuals how to create or enhance their gifts and apply them in the real world to help themselves along with others who seek it or need it. Um, so that's what, that's the cover letter for Mr. Kennedy and there's others. He's an author, right? Chuck, how many books have you written, sir? 18. Yeah, he's a mega writer. So he's a mega author. <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations on that, sir. Um, Chuck, tell individuals in your own words, what goes on in St. Charles, Illinois under your name? Well, it started with, I've been a ghost hunter for 50 years. Uh, This year marks 50 years that I've been ghost hunting. And my PhD is in neuroscience. So as a neuroscientist, I couldn't understand why we can't prove the existence of the afterlife. And that's how the whole ball got started. Um, Trying to prove the afterlife through mediumship. The communication with the dead. And I wanted, originally I wanted to do it with using an fMRI, a functional MRI. I've got 45 years of experience in healthcare as a registered nurse and a doctor of neuroscience. And I wanted to be able to uh, get an fMRI and watch what's going on in the brain as a medium communicates with a spirit. And... Mm -hmm. uh, but Ed wouldn't loan me $1.7 million, so I had to figure out a plan B. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, Ed, come on, help a friend. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, um, what the hell are you thinking of? <laughs> didn't I tell you I run a tight ship? Come on. Uh, you did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what I looked at is, is long before we had uh, MRIs and CAT scans and PET scans, uh, the way to look at the brain was through an EEG machine, mm-hmm. electroencephalograph. So thanks to eBay, I bought an EEG machine, and uh, I started studying the brainwaves, mapping the brainwaves of a psychic when they're communicating with the afterlife. And that's where the the origin, at the time I was living down in Texas, then I moved back to Chicago, and I set up the lab here in St. Charles. And I test, uh, I've tested over 700 mediums and identified wow. the area of the brain what I call the uh, the region of psi, 
uh, PSI, the region of Psi. And, uh, and I know if, if you read Facebook, oh, my God, the region of Psi is the pineal gland. Wrong answer. It isn't even close. Uh, the region yeah, of Psi I, I is actually... Say, hold on, Chuck. I, I know say, this is a hot spot with you, Ed. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. I love watching yeah. the reaction of the people's jaws drop. It's like because the hot thing with me is the Internet's so much on social media. You got people writing in about depression and everybody saying, oh, you're an empath. Without saying, maybe you need medical to be looked at a medical doctor. It's says saying you're an yeah. empath. Yeah, because that's dangerous to tell people, oh, you're an empath. Don't worry about what the conditions you're feeling. It's like misery loves company. So I have a yeah. very hard time with that. So tell the people, you were sitting there, people thought it was in the center of your brain, okay? I, I watch everybody's mm-hmm. jaw dropped. Tell them where it's at. It's right behind the left ear. And what I do is when I, I'm uh, testing a, a medium, and, and I'm testing them in terms of, of um, not are they or are they not. If they come to me and they say, I'm a medium, I'm a psychic, okay, I accept that. What I'm going to do is then identify the area of your brain that's active when you're, um, you're communicating with a spirit during a reading. Or uh, we have teams at Project Sci, we have two teams of remote viewers. Uh, psychic remote viewers and forensic remote viewers. And we basically use the, the remote viewing to find abducted children. In 24 months, we brought home 45 missing kids and closed nine cold case murders. And I've hooked up these mediums to the machine, and I'll start with the baseline questions. Uh, what's 167 plus uh, 749? And I can see on the screen their frontal cortex struggling to come up with that answer. And, and that tells me their regional logic is intact. Or maybe I'll ask them, uh, driving to my shop today, how did you get there exactly? What streets did you take? And you can see them uh, logicking out how they drove down what streets. So this, this shows me that their logic is intact, and that looks good. Then I'll ask for, in 10 words or less, give me a memory from your childhood. And they may say, well, my fifth birthday party. And there I can see the amygdala and the hippocampus kick in where they're pulling a memory out of storage and tell me that memory. And then I'll ask them for, um, for an emotional event. Describe in 10 words or less an emotional event in your life. And they may say the birth of a child. They may say uh, when they got married or maybe they say when they got divorced, whatever their hotspot is emotionally. And you can see the right cingulate gyrus uh, activate. Uh, emotions are kicking in. And then um, I'll ask for, tell me a lie. Tell me any lie. And they'll go, oh, Dr. Chuck, you're so good looking. And I know they're lying. <laughs> and uh, He's funny, too. <laughs> so then when I can see they're lying, I can see that their, their area of imagination uh, kicks in. And, uh, and when their imagination kicks in in the right temporal zone, uh, I can see that this is their imagination right where it should be. And then I let them settle down. And they get nice and relaxed. And whether they're doing a remote view, whether they're communicating with a spirit, or whatever they're doing at that point, I have them get into their psychic mode, and they do their psychic activity 
and their frontal cortex is quiet, their hippocampus is quiet, their temporal lobe is quiet, their singular gyrus is quiet. But in the the what's known as Brodman's uh, zone 37, behind the left ear, that's when I see the psychic activity kick in. And then they start telling me whatever it is, whether they're remote viewing, whether they're communicating with a spirit, and they're telling me what's going on. And I know it's not a memory because it's not from the hippocampus. I know it's not. They're not lying to me. It's not a, their imagination. It's coming from the region of Psy. Now, the first time I saw that, I thought, wow, that is so cool. Uh, then by a, the 50th person I tested, I'm going, this is, is an amazing pattern. But then by the time I've had, you know, a hundred, the 100th uh, psychic and the exact same thing happens over and over and over again. And I can prove that, that it's not the pineal gland. The pineal gland, and part of this, the reason the New Age movement latched onto the pineal gland is, is a couple of reasons. In medicine, it was referred to as the third eye, but not because it can see or anything like that. In your, in your eyeballs, on your retina, you have rods and cones. Uh, we have about 20,000 more rods than we do cones for eye. Rods are for black and white, and it's mostly in your peripheral vision, but that's where your detailed vision is, in your, uh, in your peripheral vision. And cones are for foveal vision. They're for looking straight on, and they see in color. So cones detect the color, the rods detect the details in black and white, and uh, for night vision, and that's where that's how we sense things. That's how we see things. In the pineal gland are cones, and the reason the cones are there are to detect lightness and darkness because the pineal gland uh, regulates our circadian rhythms. Is it time to go to sleep? Well, is it dark out? And the pineal gland detects that, and this is where our okay. circadian rhythms set up, and that's why cones are there. Well, back. Uh, around, uh, I think it was 64 B.C., um, the uh, Roman uh, orator uh, Cicero, he declared that there's a third eye. And he meant it in terms of, um, of setting our circadian rhythms. Then when the New Age movement came along, if you look at the brain sliced in half, sliced right down the middle, a sagittal plane view of the brain, you Mm -hmm. see the uh, structures inside, which is very similar to the eye of Horus. And the eye of Horus, which has been last on to for um, uh, the New Age movement, because they're very similar in in shape, um, everybody thinks that they see this ball in the middle and the corpus callosum around it, and they think that's the pineal gland. The pineal gland is off to the side. The ball in the middle of eye of Horus is actually the uh, represents the thalamus, not the uh, pineal gland. So people totally misread the whole thing, but it it looked cool for the new age movement. So let's jump on this and uh, totally uh, twist the the actual logic of it. So they uh, they grab down to the eye of Horus and uh, they think that the pineal gland is the origin of psychic communication and it's got nothing to do with it. Now, as an example, uh, very often, I should say very often, but it's not uncommon for the pineal gland to develop uh, cysts 
and then they go in underneath the uh, the back scalp and right up along the brainstem, and they can remove the pineal gland. So if your regular eyeball is how you see, and if the doctors removed your eyeball, clearly you would no longer be able to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, of the uh, of the seven hundred people I tested, I had seven uh, psychics who were good psychics who had pinealectomies. They had their pineal gland removed. So if the pineal gland is the origin of psi and your psychic ability, how the hell do these people have it with the pineal gland removed? So that right there was kind of the uh, the icing on the cake that, no, it's got nothing to do with the pineal gland. And then after yeah. I did all these EEG readings, uh, it was just clear as day. It has nothing to do with the pineal gland. But uh, definitely psychic activity is real, and I can prove it on, a, on an EEG machine. Now, Chuck, are you saying that's for the medium tapping into spirits and stuff like that? Is that what you're picking up on right now? When you do in some cases, right. Um, okay, how about an individual? Good. Let me ask you a question, okay? Would mm-hmm. the test be different for somebody like me? will take a complete stranger, put their hand between both of mine and tap into their energy and tell them about themselves and at times tell them about the loved one that is with them. Now, would that be different no. part of the brain? No, and that's, that's the interesting thing. I've done it on people that had spirit attachments. I've done it on past life regressions. And uh, so... It the the what I call the region of side behind the left ear is the origin of all psychic activity. Regardless of what you're doing, uh, I've done it remote viewing, and so if you're using uh, psychic ability in your brain to communicate with whatever somebody else's energy, it's coming through your uh, region of side behind your left ear. Oh, I love this science, Chuck. This is so oh, great. Really? But see, this is oh, yeah. a, this is one of the interesting things about it. Um, <clears throat> most people that are into the paranormal really, you know, they oh, I want to know the science of it. But when you tell them, it they it loses the magic. They don't. Nobody's interested in the science. They don't oh, want to be able to prove. <laughs> oh, I agree oh, with I you, think... I, and that's why I've been doing this for so many decades. But um, yeah. but the reality is, m- most of it just like. Most ghost hunters, they don't want to know what a spirit really is. They want to trip around in the dark and see if they can scare the hell out of themselves. They are interested in the truth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask, you know, sometimes people will say, you know, I never had the psychic ability until I was in a car accident or until I got Hmm. hit in the head or until this or that. Do you think that having some accident or a trauma could kick in that portion of the brain that you're speaking of and make it be more active all of a sudden. Do you think that's a possibility or have you seen that? I actually, uh, yeah, I agree completely. Um, My new book, which just came out last week, The Power of Psy, the story behind Project Psy, it explains how when I started testing these people, it wasn't just um, brain mapping them. Uh, I looked at 400 metrics, uh, biometrics, uh, sociological metrics, uh, birth order, 
Uh, are you uh, an only child? Uh, are you the youngest? Actually, most psychics are, are youngest children. The um, oh. gender, 90, uh, 96% of psychics are uh, female. And I looked at um, and looked at all these different factors, things that will affect the brain. Have you lived with a cat part of your life? Because cats, uh, uh, the cat poop uh, has toxoplasmosis in it. And then they, they walk through their litter box, then walk all over your couch, walk all over your bedding, and we're exposed to toxoplasmosis. Uh, there's been several studies that have shown uh, 67% of the general population has antibodies to toxoplasmosis because they've been exposed to it. Toxoplasmosis, when it attacks a human being, and usually it attacks a human being that has a, a poor immune system, but when toxoplasmosis attacks a human being, it's a parasite that eats our brain. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want somebody to come along and say, oh, psychics are brain damaged. And no, they aren't necessarily brain damaged. Their brain evolved. So you're telling me psychics' brains are evolved to a higher level. I'm not saying a higher level, a different level. Mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, and we looked at all these different factors that could affect uh, how your brain is developed. But, yeah, I've had one of the things is surgeries. How many surgeries have you had uh, as a psychic? Because it's not uncommon for some psychics to say, they didn't realize they were psychic until after they had surgery. Now, why would surgery affect your your psychic ability? Well, the reality the is exactly nobody yeah. goes through anesthesia and comes out uh, with a, uh, the same cognitive function. It always affects our cognition, and mm-hmm. uh, and they won't admit it. Uh, the healthcare industry <laughs> won't admit it. And I spent forty years as a registered nurse. And I knew a lot of nurses that did their master's thesis on the effects of anesthesia because uh, it does affect us. And uh, so, yeah, uh, most uh, psychics have had several surgeries. And it isn't the surgery, as we said. It's the anesthesia and what the anesthesia has done. So wow. I do think that that there's a lot of things, uh, whether it be a traumatic brain injury, whether it be a, a surgical event, but a lot of things will open up our psychic channel because uh, it just we just weren't aware of it. Now, some of the things, too, what is hard to uh, more subjective, did they fear that they were going to die from that uh, surgery or that medical condition that caused them to, uh, to have the surgery? And so was it more of a spiritual event because they thought, you know, their life was over? That's a possibility, too. And they're just more psychically aware, more spiritually aware, because they don't take life for granted now. Right. And, Let me ask you a question, Chuck. When, mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be two questions. When people say they see the white light, I have actually seen it. Yeah, I have to. Is that yeah. something going on in the brain? That's a good question. Uh, it's a, I don't start coming down to faith and belief. <laughs> okay. Um, with so many of of um, the spirits I've talked to, people had NDEs, near death experiences. Especially the the spirits I've talked to, 
well, why didn't you cross over? Well, I was I was trying to decide, and then the white light disappeared. And uh, and I talked to other researchers who say the white light seems to stick around for about in our end about three weeks, mm. and then it's gone. And then once it's gone, they don't know what to do. Now the reality is, all they have to do is ask for it back, and it'll show up. Show up, but nobody knows that. You know. None of us get a training before we die on this is what you can expect after you die. And I hope so, they're listening to our show so they get the idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but but most people, you know, they don't then once they're dead, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, what am I gonna have to do? And uh, when the white light disappears, they're at a loss. And uh I, I see so, that in um me and my daughter, I was driving back to college, and it was snow-packed. We were on the left side. Went to turn to the middle lane. There was four lanes. I went to turn the lane to the right, and she screamed. There was a car there. We started spinning. There was a flash, boom, white light. Next thing I know, we're on the side of the road, three lanes over. Nobody hit us, and the car that was on the side of us was on the other side. And it's like we came out of a subconscious, you know, being knocked out. And what happened? Neither one of us could tell you what happened or how we got there. So, uh, yeah, it was, but it was a flash. And I don't know if it's the angels or whatever sitting on our shoulders, but um, it shouldn't happen. And it happened. So nobody knows yeah, how. And not so even, not even a person who was next to us. Yeah. Yeah. The other the, thing um, is when you're doing these uh, brain maps on, um, individuals and you're testing them are you also do you see do you te- do you do you watch what's going on in the subconscious too are you able to see what's going on in the subconscious part of the well brain? basically that's what you're communicating with at that point right um the subconscious versus the conscious and right. in a lot of cases like when i do a past life regression uh i've got them hypnotized so i'm only connected to the subconscious when I'm doing a spirit attachment, uh, they're again hypnotized, so I'm into the subconscious. And uh, it's very easy to just then sit there and know you're dealing with the subconscious. Now, here's one of the things that uh, in the uh, remote viewing uh, arena we uh, uncovered. First of all, when you have, right now, if, if uh, if you look across your room, whatever you see, the picture on the wall, uh, the refrigerator, Whatever you see, that's a conscious, that cognitive event. Mm-hmm. Listening to the melodious tones of my voice is a cognitive event. Uh, feeling <laughs> the cold grass come in through the window is a cognitive event. All these feelings, uh, all these sensations, these are cognitive events. A psychic event is an anomaly. And so that anomaly is an anomalous cognitive event or an ace. Now, here's what happens in our brain when we get an ace, whether it's a, uh, uh, we, something we see or something we hear, whether we're a uh, clear audience, clear uh, voyant, whatever. When our brain gets this ace, we have about three seconds before our brain tries to analyze it. We are not mm-hmm. a WYSIWYG. We are not a what you see is what you get. Our brain mm-hmm. has to analyze everything. In the early days of doing the remote viewing for the missing kids, one of my uh, psychics would say, well, I, this is what I'm seeing, and it reminds me of. 
No, I don't want to know what it reminds you of. What are you seeing? When you get right. a, take a mental snapshot of that image, take a mental audio recording of that, whatever you heard, do not analyze it. And when people ask about remote viewing, because I teach classes in remote viewing at uh, Project Sci, I, as a matter of fact, I got a class uh, starts Tuesday night. When we teach, they say, well, what do I need to know to be a remote viewer? It's not so much what I teach you to know. It's what you have to unlearn from what you've learned all your life. <laughs> because all of, our brains are trained. And as an example, uh, we have to learn <clears throat> to uh, teach our brain not to filter things out. Wherever you're sitting right now, anybody listening, take a look straight in front of you and look at something. Maybe it's your coffee cup. Maybe it's your wine glass. Maybe it's the, the mirror. Whatever you see, think about that for a second. Think about what you're looking at. And what you're not thinking of is your nose. We see our nose in everything we see because we have two circles of vision. And our two circles of vision uh, converge. And we see our nose every time we look at something. But our brain, at an early age, learns to ignore our nose. Right. When, when babies are little, we think it's so cute, they tilt their head from side to side to look at us. And, oh, isn't that cute? No, they're trying to look at us and get their nose out of the way. <laughs> and then what I'm doing... by the time everybody, what's that it? No, that's, that was the hardest part when I started doing the... Uh... Um, psychometry one-on-one with a person's hands between me, I pick up mm. images or whatever, and it's like I start thinking about it. The hardest thing was exactly. just to go with what you're picking up right away. Boom. The sum what yes. you're picking up. Don't worry Don't about if it's right or wrong it. or whatever. Just go with it. Right. That was the hardest thing to go do. Go with it. Yeah. It is. It is. And this is what I, I've got the team to do, and uh, this team is amazing. But I always tell them, focus on your ACE, not your AOL. I want to know your anomalous cognitive event, not your AOL, which is an analytical overlay. Sure, uh, when I put all this data into the uh, matrix, I put the, uh, the AOL in there, but first I put the ACE in. And then sometimes after they analyze it, that's good analysis. Because, oh, this reminds me of such and such. And I know that in that particular city, they have such and such. Okay, that's cool. But first, tell me your ace. Just tell me pure, the pure image. I want that ace, and then we'll analyze it, and we'll look at that later. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Uh, And the thing is, people should listen more to science when science is, is discovering stuff. Um, just like people ask me if I do past life readings. No, I don't. But I try to tell them that scientists discovered last year, I believe, or they're taking, they're talking about it, is that what people make us in some cases past life, past lives, we actually carry, some people carry up to 40 generations of DNA memory which I think is fantastic myself that's, uh, but that's still discovery. a theory what? that's a theory that hasn't been proven yet 
but it, it, but it's, it's very, very, yeah, so very interesting. What do you think about something like that? What do you think about something like I, that, Chuck? Do you think there's some merit to that I, idea? Yeah, I do. And I, okay. I, I can't wait till they actually have it, you know, proved or disproved. <laughs> right. But I think it's a, an amazing concept. And, uh, and I know the DNA has memory. I used to work an open heart unit, and we had this little, uh, little Irish lady. She had this nice little Irish brogue, and she received. Now, that was back in the days when um, it was still too early, and they would not tell families one way or another where the, the organ came from. But this lady, uh, she uh, had her heart had worn out, and there was a, uh, a 19-year-old Hispanic kid that uh, died of lead poisoning when he got a 38 right up his brain. And so they took his heart and they gave it to this little Irish lady. And so I'm in there in in post-op after uh, open heart surgery and and they uh, transplanted the new heart and the daughter's in there and and she comes out of the room and I say, how's your mom doing? And she looks at me with her brogue and she says, it's just the strangest thing. Mom's asking for tacos. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I've got a cousin that does liver transplants. He, he can tell you story upon story about after transplants, how they have, they pick up uh, idiosyncrasies and uh, diet habits and things like that from the donor of whoever donated the organ. And, uh, uh, we we got together. I hadn't seen him in years. We got together last summer, and we just kept swapping donor stories because uh, uh, that's just you know this is another thing healthcare doesn't always like to talk about, but it's a reality. So yeah, there's definitely cellular memory. Uh, I'm convinced of that. Uh, the the thing that's going to be interesting in the whole cellular memory story is going to be. Uh, Whatever they do to learn to access it and identify. Now, in a transplant, it's easy. You know, the the Irish lady that suddenly uh, likes tacos, that's Mm -hmm. easy. That's a a no-brainer. That's a giveaway. But your love of uh, fast cars, how can we prove that that's from your great-great-grandfather? And it very well could be. But uh, that's where it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, an amazing story and an amazing opportunity to prove these things of DNA memory. And so I think it's possible. It just hasn't. It's still in the early stages, and it's more of a theory at this point. They believe that it happens. They just can't exactly prove it yet. And I'm, I'm excited about when they do because I think it's an amazing uh, advancement. Well, you know, if they're talking about it, they are um, setting a goal to try to prove it anyways. So Exactly. And yeah. and the whole point of talking about it is um, so much of this, especially the paranormal, trying to get funding for paranormal research, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't happen. But even no. something like DNA memory, um, <clears throat> to get to get – people to fund that kind of research. They got to leak these stories out and uh, make them sound exciting, hoping they can get some CEO, uh, get his interest. So he's going to part with a couple million bucks to do more research on it. But it's all about getting the funding for this stuff. 
And I hope they get it because I think it's exciting. I think it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. You know what, Chuck? I'd love to see I, things get proved. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I would love to have you back on the show, too, in the future because um, I'm sure there's different subjects we could tap into on this this whole PSI. Um, mm-hmm. Do you agree with me on that? Yes, yeah, I think it'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Good. Let the people know. Also. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let the people know, Chuck, where they can find you, where they can find your books, how they can hook up with your Project PSI and your in, 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 in your research lab in St. Charles. They can reach me at, at uh, www.projectpsi.com. Uh, they can uh, find my uh, CSISI courses to learn how to be a remote viewer. Uh, you can contact me, and I'll hook you up the brain mapping machine, and, and you can watch. I can prove if you have a brain or not. And you can um, <laughs> you can then sit there and, and also uh, learn about some of the other things we're doing. All my books are there. My newest book, uh, Projects uh, PSI, The uh, Story of the Afterlife, and um, how Projects I came to be. Uh, that books are several of my books are in, for healthcare. They're not in the paranormal. Uh, as yeah. I said, I was in nursing for years, so I've got books on uh, on healthcare on there too. But all my books are on uh, uh, projectside.com. And uh, my 800 number there, 888-583-1976. I'm open for calls seven days a week, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Okay. So yeah, one uh, question. Go ahead. So you're able to be reached, and you can be found on uh, social media too, um, Facebook for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, we have and you're on LinkedIn on too, the, aren't you? On the Facebook. What's that? You're on LinkedIn too, right? LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't yeah. check LinkedIn at all. Okay. Uh, all right. Who does? I, uh, I do. Um, <laughs> but okay. I got a nickname too. Yeah. Um. Um. One question. Let's let's have you ever seen any maps before done on individuals, let's say, or if it's even been done on a Dom, uh, Dahmer, Gacy, whatever. Have you ever seen anything like that yet? No. No. I wonder um, how their wonder how their mind would map differently than other individuals are in the right mind. When I was doing my internship uh, for um, for my PhD, I was at uh, Cook County Jail, uh, okay. the Attica of the Midwest, and um, and at Cook County, I was working with uh, pedophiles, and this guy's telling me, yeah, he raped this three-month-old baby. But it's normal. Oh, Everybody wants to. Yeah, but did their, did their, I'm, like, remember, we're a G-rated show. Did their, did, did you see anything based on the mapping of their mind? No, that's what I'm curious. No, that's, that's my point, what I'm getting to. Nobody's really studied in-depthly the minds of criminals. Okay. Okay. And, and right. I haven't found any, uh, one of the interesting things on psychics, though, uh, that, yeah, we're all that criminals, right? Go ahead. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. When a psychic's doing, I'd, I'd interview these psychics and I'd say, how do you physically feel when you do a, a big reading or you um, uh, have back-to-back beings? Oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm uh, weak. I'm busy. And all this stuff. And I said, well, that to me sounds like low blood sugar and dehydration. So what I did is when I tested all these mediums, before we start, I check their blood sugar, and then I check it a half hour in. And the blood sugars drop on average 26 points in a half hour. Huh. So I needed to compare as, as a 26-point drop. Now, as a nurse, I knew 26 points in a half hour without taking any medication or doing something. That's unheard of. But I wanted to find research to compare it to. And I found a study done at Harvard. They wanted to see does – because you got to remember the brain is about three pounds. It's 2% of your body weight, but it consumes 30% of our sugar. Mm-hmm. So consuming 30% of sugar, if you're really working your brain in overdrive, does it consume 35 or 40? And Harvard wanted to know that. So Harvard went and looked at uh, kids that are taking their SATs. They figured taking the SAT has to be the most brain intensive topic you can do. So they go and they take these kids, they check their blood sugars while taking the SATs, and they they were so excited. They found that these kids had blood sugar drops of four to six points in a half hour, and they thought this was amazing. That's a huge drop. And here I've, I'm finding uh, that the vast majority of psychics, when they're doing a reading, their blood sugar drops 26 points in a half hour. That's consuming a lot of sugar. Well, that's why I naturally, whatever my my body told me is now when I, because when I do house parties, I'm doing anywhere from eight to 20-something readings in four to five hours. Uh, yeah. I carry a rock star with me, the energy drink. Mm-hmm. And halfway through, boom, 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 I start coping it, you know, drinking it. So um, and, and it doesn't even have to be an energy drink. It's just going to be a, re- a can of pop, regular pop. But here's the other thing. It's also an indication of dehydration. So I monitor oxygenation levels, uh, blood oxygenation levels, well, uh, psychics during their reading. And normal is anything over 90%. And so the psychic starts out their, their blood ox, their pulse ox is 94, 96%. Nice and normal. That's good. And then a half hour in, it's still 94, 95%. So that's good. The difference is that when we started and they're at rest, their respiratory rate is, is 14 to 16 breaths per minute, which is normal for somebody resting. Half yeah. hour in, their respiratory rate is 26, 28. They're literally sucking wind to keep that much oxygen into their body. Now, one of the things is we lose fluid from our body three ways. We sweat it out, we pee it out, and we breathe it out. Normal breathing, everybody loses a liter and a half to two liters of fluid a day. Mm-hmm. However, when you're, needless to say, when you're sucking wind, you're blowing off a lot more water. So yeah. when we've got psychics that are sitting there and they're sucking wind to complete their reading, that's when... They're blowing off a whole lot more fluid. They're consuming more sugar, and they're suffering uh, dehydration and low blood sugar. So just drinking a can of Pepsi or something like that, not diet pop, aspartame won't do anything for you, but just drink regular pop, orange juice, apple juice, 
something like that. Get the fluids back in your body and get the sugar back in your body because as a psychic, you're using, losing sugar and water at an amazing rate. Thank you for your information, Chuck. We hope to have you on in the future. Listeners, you, he, he told you where to find his his books, his information, information about his boot camps, his lab, all that stuff. Um, and if you Thanks, want to have your brains. And that I appreciate it. Thank you. It was so wonderful to talk to you. My pleasure. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you again in the future, Chuck. All right, Ed. Take care. Bye-bye. Did you enjoy that or not? I did. I love scientists. (laughs) And, of course, (laughs) I love psychic stuff. So when I put the two together, that's my cup of tea. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, Listeners, don't forget, next week we got Mary who's going to be discussing uh, all kinds of good, healthy stuff for you and giving us knowledge about things that we can do for ourselves also. And um, Annette, talk about uh, who we're going to be showcasing right now. We're going to be hearing this song. It's called Unearthed. And the group calls themselves Cineas and the Atmospheric Research so these are two rising paranormal film composers um, on the cusp of world ambient drone, ecology, and experimental music scenery. We have Belgi Kundi and Wayne Hay. They work together to create these signature sounds. They've been perfecting this for two years. Um, the SR, I'm oh, sorry, I can't even say it. Wait, after all that PSI. SAR mm-hmm. group formed in 2016, and they've been busy producing music ever since. Um, again, they're called Cineas and Atmospheric Research. Let's give it a listen. Annette, thank you for tonight. I don't know if you're going to stay on. Um, I'll, I'll say stay and thank listen. You. I would like to hear it. Okay, then you'll be back when we're when it's on. It's seven minutes, so okay, we'll leave it go, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Here is Unearthed. 